Hi, everyone. This is Aaron Larson, executive editor of Power Magazine, and you're listening to the Power Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Greg Dixon. He is the CEO of Voltus. So, Greg, thanks for coming on the show, and please tell a little bit about yourself and your company. Well, it's our pleasure, Aaron. Thank you very much for having us. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Voltus. I've been working in the distributed energy resource industry for about 20 years now. So I like to say I have a lot of scar tissues, scar tissue in this industry, whether it's demand response, energy storage, distributed generation, or energy efficiency. We like to say that Voltus is to the electricity industry what Airbnb is to the real estate market in the sense that Airbnb connects underutilized apartments or homes to buyers who want to make use of those underutilized assets. And Voltus does that for the electricity grid where wholesale markets, wholesale electricity markets in particular, need grid services from distributed energy resources. We connect those underutilized distributed energy resources typically behind uh, customer meters to those wholesale power markets to orchestrate and monetize those resources to deliver reliable, cost-effective, and clean energy. It's a great explanation of what your company does. I think it makes a lot of sense. Can you get into kind of the nuts and bolts and how that works and, and how do you connect these distributed resources to the wholesale markets? So imagine, if you will, an electric vehicle in uh, in your garage, like the one I have in my garage. One of the really neat things about electric vehicles is they are connected to the internet in real time all the time. And so through an app on my phone, I can schedule the charging of that, uh, of that car. I can stop its charging or consumption of electricity from the grid. And if you think about electric vehicles on mass in the years ahead, we can control those electric vehicles, either injecting power back into the grid or curtailing their electricity consumption from the grid, aggregate them using our technology, orchestrating those uh, for purposes of delivery of services to wholesale power markets, and pay those EV drivers to be part of a solution that makes the grid a lot more efficient and clean. And our technology essentially stitches all of that together from the application that controls the charging or the discharging of that battery in the car right through to the settlement of the performance of that particular electric vehicle in aggregate with other electric vehicles or other distributed energy resources for the wholesale market in a way that that market requires asset performance to be settled. I think most of our audience probably understands how the electric grid works and and how, you know, there's a multitude of power plants supplying electricity into the grid and there's obviously a multitude of users taking electricity from the grid. And these wholesale markets are obviously distributed throughout the country. So are you able to actually market some of these distributed resources, for instance, that might be in California to markets that are outside of California? Well, typically, we have to be within a the region defined by a wholesale power market. You mentioned California. It's actually a really interesting example. So 
California's wholesale power market is operated by the California Independent System Operator. I'll refer to them as CAISO. But CAISO actually operates what's known as an energy imbalance market throughout the West across many states that allows mostly power, traditional power generation to participate in the CalISO market to make efficient use of generation resources that deliver real-time energy. And CalISO schedules and coordinates the dispatch of those generators across a much wider area than just California. Well, today, what we can do at Voltus is also bring behind the meter distributed energy resources into that market to provide energy imbalance services, no different than central power stations. And so imagine we have the ability to curtail electricity at big box retail stores in Nevada. Well, because Nevada is part of the energy imbalance market operated by CAISO, delivering those services physically in Nevada, in this example, meaning curtailing the usage of electricity, we can deliver services for CalISO in their effort to balance the broader Western electricity grid. And it's important to note that these wholesale power market operators, they're indifferent to a certain extent whether you inject power onto the grid through, say, traditional power generation, or you curtail electricity with the end goal of balancing supply and demand, which is one of their primary functions. And so traditionally, these wholesale power market operators had supply-side central power stations as their only tool to balance supply and demand. They didn't have the ability to control the demand side of the equation. And so as demand would rise, they would simply dispatch more central power stations. Now, wholesale power market operators have tools on both sides of that equation. They can reduce demand by dispatching distributed energy resources behind a meter and therefore reducing the burden on the grid, or they can continue to dispatch central power stations to inject power back into the grid. Are most of your clients usually businesses or homeowners who have rooftop solar systems, or are there other companies or businesses that have more advanced systems, you know, and maybe microgrids where they have wind turbines and battery storage and all other types of things involved? Uh, who do you work with mostly? It's a great question, and it's really any type of distributed energy resource. The core of our business tends to be commercial and industrial energy consumers, large energy consumers that have various types of distributed energy resources. They could have solar plus storage at a facility. They could have on-site generation at a facility, like perhaps a data center or a hospital. They could have the ability to curtail electricity for certain periods of time, otherwise known as demand response, like, say, a cold storage facility. They could have electric vehicle charging, where they can either inject that power back into the grid, say, with public transit fleets, or simply curtailing charging at various locations. We can essentially aggregate anything, whether it's you know an electric vehicle in the, a homeowner's garage or it's a steel mill at an industrial campus. As far as the demand response goes, is that something that your system specifically works with as well, where, where you're actually giving them an, a warning, hey, we're going to be cutting your power back at such and such a time because of the market's uh, fluctuation at this, this, this moment? Is that what your tools do? Yeah, uh, we 
essentially operate a virtual power plant aggregating the various forms of distributed energy resources, it's important to note that DERs, which is a short-term, uh, an acronym for distributed energy resources that I'll use from now on, come in four basic flavors as defined by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. You've got demand response, distributed generation, energy storage, and energy efficiency. And within each of those categories, you have hundreds of different use cases. Our distributed energy resource uh, platform, our software platform, is unique in that it is integrated fully into all nine U.S. and Canadian wholesale power markets. And on the other side of the equation, we manage all types of DERs in orchestrating and monetizing those for wholesale market grid services purposes. So do you find certain technologies to be more beneficial to what you do? You know, I can imagine that having energy storage at a site would be very important because then when prices are low, you can charge the batteries. And when prices are high, you can discharge the batteries and you can kind of capitalize on that difference in price. Is that something that you would pay a premium for if you had a customer that had that ability, or or is it just all market based when it comes down to the the final um, decision of how they should be involved in the in the process? Sure, the the market is the final arbiter. It really does come down to economics, and of course, every technology has different operating constraints, including the economics by which they are dispatched. So, for instance, battery storage has a set of operating characteristics whereby you have to charge the battery, obviously, and that takes a certain amount of time. And discharging the battery over, say, four hours has a certain takes a certain um, or provides a certain uh, operating characteristic that can be delivered to the grid. That is different than energy storage, say, with thermal storage. Right? You have things like cold storage facilities, where although it's not lithium-ion battery, it's water, and you have energy stored in frozen water, that also has certain operating characteristics. It may be that the temperature of that frozen water uh, can be essentially thawed while reducing electricity consumption through, say, an absorption chiller um, or an ammonia-based chiller that gives it four hours or six hours or even eight hours of dispatch capability. Every type of distributed energy resource has operating characteristics and has economics that uh, allow it to operate for various reasons in each of these markets to deliver various services. You can have a capacity product. You could have a energy strike price-based product where the resource responds to a high price in a market for certain periods of time. Or you can even have distributed uh, energy resources that deliver what are known as ancillary services, uh, quick response operating reserves or frequency regulation. Essentially, DERs can do it all for wholesale power markets, but each of those DERs has operating constraints that are best addressed through a software platform that can orchestrate it all. Is the service that you're providing making it more beneficial for customers? Because I could think that that some of these customers could do this on their own. You know, they can set up a system that would take advantage of the market prices and, and do 
kind of what you're doing, only on a smaller scale, just with their own system. So do they get some sort of advantage by working with you and having this bigger aggregated pool of resources that are being uh, being utilized? At the end of the day, we simplify the complex for these customers. So even the most sophisticated and largest energy consumers who might be spending hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars a year on electricity, find it essentially impossible for them to become their own market participant in a wholesale electricity market. Keep in mind that a market like, say, for instance, the PJM market, there are only a few thousand supply-side generators that operate in that market. PJM doesn't have the ability to go out and recruit and aggregate and enable with technology the millions of uh, distributed energy resources that are out there. They rely on uh, technology companies like Voltus to go out and not only recruit those customers, but enable them with technology to take a position in a market on behalf of those customers, post financial assurance, act as the scheduling entity of that virtual power plant, and then handle all of the operating requirements when resources actually get dispatched, settle the performance of that data, distribute payments, ensure compliance with open access transmission tariffs, on and on and on. There's really a mind-boggling amount of complexity that needs to be addressed. And uh, virtually none of these customers could do it on their own. They really do need a technology company like a Voltus to participate in these markets. And that's our role. I'm sure you or, or your salespeople are out talking to customers all the time, trying to get them signed up and, and help them uh, manage their their system. So what are you hearing from the people that are adding distributed energy resources? Are they doing it more for reliability purposes or, or what's the driving theme behind why they're deciding to add these services to their, to their systems? Yeah, it's a great question because we like to say that the reason why these large energy consumers invest in distributed energy resources is not to plug them into wholesale power markets and generate income with them. No differently than, you know, you, you might buy a home to put on Airbnb. You buy a home so you can live in it. If you happen to be there or not be there for certain periods of time, you might want to generate some ancillary income using the Airbnb platform. And the same is true of distributed energy resources. If you're, say, a big box retailer, you may be investing billions of dollars in on-site generation. It could be battery storage. It could be natural gas-fired, pad-mounted generation, the primary purpose of which is for business continuity because you live the effects of Winter Storm Uri or Hurricane Ida or floods in the Northeast and fires out West. And so um, because of climate change, you're investing a lot for business continuity purposes. It could also be a primary use case where you're investing in EV charging at, say, your supermarkets to attract new uh, electric vehicle owners who are going to choose one supermarket over another based on whether there's charging in the parking lot. And so what I'm getting at is that the primary use case and reason for investing in DERs by these large energy consumers, again, isn't to plug them into wholesale power markets to make money, but as we like to say the side gig value of doing that makes the primary use business case a whole lot stronger. 
And what sort of feedback do you hear from your clients? I mean, are most of them pretty satisfied with your service? And, and are they sticking around or re-upping with you to continue these types of agreements? So we have a 100% plus customer retention rate. And really what that means is when we sign a customer up to participate in these DER programs, it's not to say we never lose a customer, but customers more often than not tend to want to do more when their agreement comes due, meaning they really enjoy the service. They get a lot of economic value out of it. And of course they want to do more. We like to say we sell, we sell $5 bills for $2. Mm-hmm. We layer in our technology to resources they've already made an investment in. It doesn't cost them anything. We generate positive cash flow for them every quarter. And so, as you might imagine, they want to do more of it. And so customer retention is, is very high. And the satisfaction with the service is also very high. Our net promoter score, our NPS is, I want to say, 55, which for a B2B company is, you know, a world-class level of service. Again, that's not really surprising when you're paying a customer to use your product. So can you talk about any examples of specific companies who may be benefiting directly from, you know, your services? And and how have they done through some extreme weather events, for example, or during wildfires or hurricanes or or colder hot spells that we've seen over the last year? Can you give us any specific examples of, of ways they've benefited? Sure. So, you know, I think it's it's fairly well known that Walmart is a, a customer that's invested very heavily in the benefits of distributed energy resources for a whole host of reasons, some of which I've mentioned, business continuity purposes, you know, investing in electric vehicle charging to attract, you know, like the, the new F-150 Lightning shoppers, providing more services at their store that help consumers when they're experiencing the effects of climate change, right? So during something like a winter storm, Uri in Texas, when really the lights are out across the community, because of the investments that somebody like Walmart makes, they're able to continue to serve their consumers. And the value that consumers get from that, obviously, is life-saving, literally, you know, consumers have the ability to go into a store that continues to operate despite the fact that the grid is down and stay warm. And that's incredible. Likewise, by attracting more uh, EV shoppers, they're driving the demand for, for electric vehicles and supporting a transition to a, a cleaner grid. So the benefits to somebody like Walmart, again, for you know, the primary use case, tends to not just be the economics, but the fact that they can actually generate uh, income from these investments in DERs allows them to continue to grow it faster, grow the investments that they make in DERs of all types, whether it's solar plus storage or electric vehicle charging or on-site generation. It's kind of a virtuous cycle. That's a great example. You know, you can imagine if the power grid is down and the only store that's still open is Walmart, where are you going to go to shop? You know, where are you going to go to get those needed supplies? Because at those in those emergency times, that's when you really need certain things. And, and uh, it's nice to know that you've got a place that you can go to get them. So, Yeah, you know, it's, what you point out really is a progressive mindset on the, on the behalf of Walmart. On one hand, it's it's surprising that that these investments are being made 
at the levels that they're being made at so proactively. Uh, on the other hand, as you mentioned, when uh, a Walmart store may be the only store open in an area, it makes the business case look like a no-brainer. But it really does take a progressive mindset to make those investments. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago that a blackout would hit uh, ERCOT, you know, once every 10, 15 years. Now we're seeing it once every few years, whether it's a small blackout or it's a system-wide blackout. Those catastrophic events are happening more and more often. And that's a huge driver of the investment in a distributed system that is less reliant on central power stations. And which actually pays for itself through all these other services that you're able to provide when, when the emergency is not striking them. Yeah, and, you know, that's a great point, too. Our business does not rely on subsidies. It doesn't rely on taxpayers. In fact, it's the opposite. By these markets adopting the distributed energy resource technology, which is also supported by Federal Energy Regulatory Commission uh, policy like for a quarter 2222, we're driving the economics of the grid down while driving resilience up and making the grid cleaner. It's the proverbial win-win-win. So you're right. It pays for itself, and it's, you know, it, it becomes this virtuous cycle. All right, Greg. Well, thank you so much for explaining your system and how it works, how you're aggregating all of these different distributed energy resources. Is there any last comments you'd like to leave the audience with before we wrap up? Stay warm this winter. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking with Volta CEO Greg Dixon. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, so uh, I wish you well. Thank you. Thanks, Eric.